And welcome back to another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. Thanks for joining us once again. This is our sixth episode of this series. As you all know, my name is Jake Barker. I am your host of the Under Pressure Podcast. Now, we do have uh, a bit of social media news at the moment. Why I'm starting to get the show up onto YouTube as well. Yes, that's right. I've seen a few people um, putting videos up, so I've decided to put all the shows that, that we record here on Zoom and, and put them up there. So you can find us uh, if you type in Under Pressure Podcast in YouTube. Give us a little subscribe. It always helps us out a bit. Um, and, you, and you all know that we're on Facebook at Under Pressure Podcast and also Instagram and Twitter at Under Pressure One Underscore. Now, don't forget, you can always listen to us on the Podbean app as well, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and or Spotify as well. And if you type in Under Pressure Podcast in your chosen platform, you will find us there. Now, getting straight into today, we do have another guest, one of my very good mates and a gooder mate that I could have had on the show. Uh, he was one of my, my groomsmen when I got married. Dempanopoulos, welcome to the show. Hey, Jake, how are you? Yeah, going pretty well. How's things uh, uh, at the moment with work and everything like that? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, lockdowns, lockdown gets a bit tough, doesn't it? But obviously there are, there are other things that sort of give you perspective. You know, other people are, are going through a, a fair bit more than, than we are. We're pretty lucky, pretty well off. So, um, you know, thoughts to, to everyone out there. But, um, yeah, otherwise not too bad. Just chipping away, plenty of sport to to distract us from the real world, I suppose. Couldn't have said it better myself, definitely. You're 100% right with the sport. We're, all, we're, we're both keeping pretty busy. We've got uh, the, the NFL's just kicked off and we're very much into that and all the fantasy teams. But yeah, no, definitely right. Uh, feel for everyone out there and, and hoping everyone's doing um, really well and hopefully they uh, can get through these these tough times, as, as you said. But as, as you know, on, on the show, Dan, we talk a bit about uh, injuries and as you know, I'm uh, currently going through an injury myself, as you've probably heard a lot about that. Um, not to chew your ear off or anything, but um, I know you've uh, had a few injuries in your time and maybe over the past year as well. Can you just enlighten us on over some of, some of the injuries and maybe a bit of um, background in what sports you've played over the years? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was like when I turned 21, I, my body decided to go, you haven't really gone through too much so far in your in your in your life career in your life <laughs> um, feels like a career don't worry yeah so uh so it said maybe let's throw a couple of things your way um so i had i don't remember the timelines or anything but i had a, a bulging disc in the in the neck um so that was that was a tough one that was from from cricket i'm pretty sure bowling bowling action spin bowler and trying to get that little bit of extra pace for a the quicker balls but I think uh used to tug my neck to the side pretty pretty suddenly and uh so that probably that cost me a good four or five months of of cricket in the middle of cricket season yeah definitely into- did you have to change your action up a little bit after that yeah 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 so I've had to had to adjust and, and change with that so that was that was a tough one um I've had uh, a broken shoulder I guess the broad term is broken shoulder it was uh <laughs> Sounds strange. <laughs> Broken shoulder. <laughs> yeah, it was um, indoor cricket sliding, just grabbing the bat to get into the crease, and it got stuck in some, some part of the uh, 
of the the matting, I suppose, and so my shoulder went back into the socket a bit. So when the X-rays came back um, a few weeks later, I didn't. I don't like going straight to doctors. That's sort of my that's my thing, I suppose. But uh, it looked like uh, when you crack the top of a hard-boiled egg and you're trying to get the shell. Uh, off, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. my shoulder was a bit of a was a bit of a mess for that. So that that was a good four or five four or five months again. Um, a couple of years later, I was still playing indoor cricket for a while. They're bowling left arm. Um, with, hey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but just trying to get through. I, I must have known something was wrong at that stage, you would have thought. Uh, well, yeah, I would have thought if you were bowling with the uh, opposite arm, that you may have known that uh, something was up. Did you have to bat left-handed as well? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was able to. The strength, the strength in the left arm was able to hold it up. No, uh, yeah, I barely get by anyway with the batting. So let's, um, <laughs> stick to the um, bowling, no matter what. That's bowling. it. I'm with you. Um, yeah. Otherwise, just I've had the soft tissue that a lot of people have. I mean, we we play local sport. We play the cricket. We play is a you know relatively high level in terms of comparatively speaking. You know, to the top synthetic in the Eastern Association, we get exposure to playing against sort of really good quality cricketers and stuff. So, but yeah, as anyone, you know, hamstrings, groins, all that sort of thing, have struggles with ankles and all that. Um, and and this year uh, we'll talk about the concussion. But um, yeah, so so a few injuries, probably, I've had probably three that are, you know, significant in terms of what you're going through and they're all different ones as opposed to, you know, doing the same injury a couple of times, which isn't easy or anything, but you know how to, how to recover from it when you, like say when you do a knee, you know what to expect. I suppose. Of course, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so otherwise, sporting wise, I've just played cricket, indoor cricket. Um, that's pretty much it, other than social indoor soccer at one point or another. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's certainly been interesting. It does feel you're right. It does feel a little bit like a, a career when you dedicate your life to to sport. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. You, you did mention the the concussion there. I know it happened um, during during last season, uh, yeah. and it, the effect, with the concussion when 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 it happened, did you sort of feel the effects of it straight away, or was it sort of uh, was it delayed in, in any way, or did it happen instantly when you when you or take us through the incident first of all? Yeah, so it wasn't I wasn't knocked out. So pretty much what happened was the ground we were playing at. Um, at Turak Paran in in our Eastern Cricket Association, one of um, your favourites, one of my favourites, yes. <laughs> Usually, it held pretty good memories uh, statistically, but um, is it Romanus? I can't. I think that's the Romanus. one. Yeah, that's it. That's um, the one. Yeah, so just chasing after a ball in a in a one day match towards the boundary and sort of kept it in. Um, but there's a little sudden hill after it sort of drops off after the the boundary. It's it's marked by cones in these ones, but um and and dropped off. And there's a little, little bit of hill, so I guess I, I went head first to try and stop the ball, um yeah. and kept it in, but sort of went down the hill a little bit and whacked my head on the on the hard part of the the ground. Sort of yeah. it was half, you know, it was sort of so, it was pretty solid, a solid part of the thing, and I wasn't knocked out or anything, but I got up and I I sort of knew something wasn't quite wasn't quite right. There wasn't too long. I'd already bolted my my overs the captain gave me, which I think pretty fortunate. Uh, what a great captain he was. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I remember there wasn't too long left, but I also remember I, I wasn't really, I wasn't really right for the, the rest of the time. 
a little bit. And it was just, it felt, you know, sort of dizzy, sort of not completely all there. I, you know, I sort of told you about it, obviously, as captain. I told you sort of that I wasn't feeling great. I was, otherwise, I was trying to, it wasn't something to, to announce to, to people. I, I don't really like telling people that sort of thing. I don't want, unless it's really serious, I suppose. I can sort of handle a bit of pain and a little bit of discomfort and that sort of thing, but I wasn't quite right. The ball got hit a few times to me and I was pretty fortunate it came just sort of straight to me. So it wasn't requiring me to really chase after it. But um, yeah, I was, I was probably more fortunate that there wasn't long left in the innings because the the second half in one day cricket, obviously you get to the bat the second half. So it just meant that we were uh, sitting down and resting. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and, 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 and as you say with, the, with injuries, like, you don't want to sort of. It sounds it sounds silly, but you don't want to burden other people, even though you're the one that that is hurt. You feel like you're burdening other people by telling them that, uh, like you feel like you're helpless in a way, a little bit. I know I felt like I felt a bit like that when I was when I done the knee as well. Like you, you're there on the ground and everyone's standing over you, and you're like, well, this is a bit embarrassing. Like it's everyone's sort of standing over you, and it's like if you tell people about your concussion and then and, and everyone starts talking about it and that's like sometimes that's the last thing you want with people just or everyone just talking about it to you and like sometimes it's it's just best to sort of keep it to yourself but but tell the but tell the important people uh, yeah. that that um that you are hurt so just in case things do happen like you never know what can what can happen with a concussion i i assume i've never actually never had one and so yeah, it can be a little bit different, I assume. But with with the concussion and like the aftermath and the after effects of it, how did you sort of go about getting it right? I know it sounds strange. I mean, with an injury, you do rehab and you do, and you do everything like that. What did you do with the the concussion? Maybe a couple of days prior or post, sorry, uh, the incident. Yeah, so it was an interesting one because I knew I had some headaches and stuff. I was lucky I wasn't driving around. I you know, got a lift and that sort of thing. So, and it's, it's, it's pretty interesting when you're talking about that, it not helpless, a little bit embarrassed, a little bit sheepish. Like when you, when you get hurt, especially because we're just talking about local sport, um, of you course, know, yeah. basketball and stuff, you're talking sort of, so that's even, that's just social sort of um, a social sport or like when we play indoor cricket, that's more a social sport. The cricket is obviously it's a competitive, it's a, it's it's more local localized, which is interesting because you don't really get those perspectives. As I suppose, as opposed to when an AFL player gets concussed and all that, they're looked after. Um, so in terms of that, I knew I had a headache and I I knew something wasn't quite right, but I didn't go to anyone. I tried to go. My neck was pretty sore, and I was a little bit concerned that I'd hurt my neck in the potentially in the in the diving after the ball because obviously the the neck. Um, the neck injuries that I was talking about before that. Yeah, I was going to say you thought it was maybe related in some way to that as well. Yeah, so I thought I might have um, hurt something badly in my neck. I guess whiplash from hitting um, from the dive and going down the, the hill a little bit. It was just my sort of head that went down the hill. So that was, I'm sure if we tried to recreate, it would be one of the great comedy moments of 2021. But um, <laughs> no, so I, I went to the physio on the three days later on the Tuesday. Um, I think it was, yeah, I think before training would have been scheduled. Um, mm. I think it was the it was the week. So I did it. I don't think there was another round. I can't quite remember, but <laughs> part of the part of the concussion thing. <laughs> I can't quite remember. 
I think um, there might have been one more game. There was one more. I think I there was one more game for the like before like the Christmas break. I think I remember it happening. Yeah. Just before yeah. the Christmas break. You took the last one off before Christmas. Yeah, I think that was right. Yeah. I'd gone to the physio about my neck, but I was saying about my head a little bit. I guess I wasn't really all that clear. Um, and he sent me straight to hospital. Um, I tried oh, okay. to I tried to work. Um, obviously it's working from home, but working in the, the first couple of days of that week and I was struggling a lot with brightness of the screen um, and I couldn't really concentrate. It felt like there was sort of like a steam train through through my head, like the, the brightness of the screen, the brightness of the day, obviously it was during the summer. Um, of course, yeah. All, all the senses were like, it felt like they were heightened to, to an extreme an extreme level um so yeah i went to the hospital and obviously you wait a while at the hospital and stuff but they got me in. i was lucky that they got me in pretty pretty quickly because of the symptoms i guess i was i was showing um i didn't have to do any scans or anything like they didn't have to do any you know brain things i guess they they said it was concussion they said it was it wasn't minor concussion but it wasn't a major one and they usually do yeah more heavy investigations if it was like, you know, you were completely knocked out. So I was pretty lucky that I didn't get knocked out or anything, but with the symptoms that I was showing and they were, you know, they check your eyes, they check um, your your walking, your range of motion, all, all that sort of thing. And they, they were comfortable in letting me sort of go home, but I had to go back a couple of times to, to get checked um, to monitor my progress and that sort of thing. The, the thing with concussion is that's obviously different for everyone. And as you said, it's not something you can just rehab. Like you do a hamstring, you know that you rest it for a little bit, compression, ice, elevate, all that sort of thing. The, the concussion's a bit different. But I know during that time, obviously I missed a, a game of cricket, but that, you know, that pals in comparison sort of, it was just, it was a really tough, tough one to go through. And again, People didn't know I was concussed for, uh, until I guess I missed, I wasn't in the team. I didn't really want to tell people except my closest friends and that sort of thing. It's a bit embarrassing, especially when you, you know, we talk about it now, like how did I get concussed? Well, I was diving. I hit my head as I, like after I was diving for the boundary and sort of hit it on the... So it's like now I'm happy to sort of laugh about it a little bit, but it was embarrassing, particularly at the time. No like, doubt. Like, yeah I, yeah, I can certainly feel that. And that's... I mean, and when you think about it, it is actually it, it's a viable possibility every single time you do field a ball. Like if yeah. you're trying to save a ball in a certain way, there is a chance that you are going to hit your head just because it's it's hard ground. Not all grass is going to cushion the blow. Like anyone could do it at any time, but it just yeah. it's an off occurrence that it's that it's happened to you. Yeah, no, it's it is something and there's there's a better technique to it and stuff but when it doesn't when it hasn't happened to you or anything you don't think about it because you're just diving after the ball and and that sort of thing it's something you do a million times really when you if you if you're lucky to play sport without being too affected by anything for a, for a long period of time you do everything is natural to you so when something like that happens it's a bit of a jolt to the system but in terms of the recovery um it was, I went back a couple of times and, and they just kept doing tests and kept just asking me general questions. Uh, it's not like the footy where they've got a baseline test, I guess, that they do at the start of the year or something, where they ask them questions at the time of their concussion to see. To, to oh, okay. Yeah. They're just asking you certain things, how you're feeling. But I guess the truth was that 
I probably didn't get over the concussion for about four to six weeks. Um, and I played, yeah. I played a couple of games um, after Christmas. The Christmas break usually takes you into the second week of Jan. I'm pretty sure. And I, yeah, I played, that sounds right. Yeah, I played a game or two after after that where I was struggling on the field, sort of just completely. Um, the the sun, it, it sounds silly, but like the brightness and and the heat just wasn't wasn't helping at all. And to, to concentrate on something while there's all this brightness around you, and again, all the senses felt really heightened. I was going to say, there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot going on in a game of cricket, as well as the the brightness and the focus that you have to have in a, in a game of cricket. I mean, you do stand there for the majority of the time, but you still have to be focusing on the ball and the batter and the bowler and your teammates and where the ball is. Like it's it's you do really have to use your brain in it. So I can see why it would have it still would have affected you at that point as well. Like it just yeah. with cricket, it's a very tactical and thinking game, and you'd be using your head. At all points, and especially as a bowler too, where am I going to put the ball? Where am I going to where am I going to hit the ball? Like it's yeah, you really you're really thinking about it every single time. Yeah, it was it was like an extended period of time where it felt like my brain wasn't really relaxing or resting, I suppose. Um, and working, you know, I was working and stuff, but the just the basic things like every fifteen minutes, just having to take your eyes, like close your eyes and get away from the computer and that sort of thing, just just anything with movement, watching TV, all that sort of thing. I couldn't listen to music for like a month probably because just it, it was too much. And this was, this wasn't a major, like it wasn't a major concussion or anything. So like I shudder to think what people that have gone through like massive head trauma, what, what they have to deal with. I think about in a sporting sense, you know, heavy AFL concussions. I think about NFL where obviously you see head knocks and that sort of thing. Um, all the time, yeah. Like, run rampant in those sorts of sports and you know I was just I just had sort of a, a concussion but not yeah exactly not not a major one so uh, it was a struggle for for a little while there um over the new year I suppose Christmas new year period this you know 2020 mm. um but yeah I guess just it got better if it I would have gone and seen the the specialist they gave me the the number for a specialist if it was going on for too long and i had that okay. on me just in case and i would have gone if it was probably another couple of weeks or something but i was also cognizant of the fact that i was doing the right things other than playing the i guess playing the games of cricket but i i used those in isolation as as an attempt at us as an attempt at an escape um i wasn't really trading much I was making it clear that I couldn't really get through a whole training and that sort of thing, but I could turn up on game day and constant, try and concentrate for that three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour block, I suppose, and hopefully not bat and have to... Because that's, <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. I was, um, I was lucky that I didn't have to, uh, with our team and how we were going, uh, the, the tailenders didn't really have to bat much, but I was aware of that, the fact that I was quite... I wouldn't say scared, but I was apprehensive about any bounces at training or or any short balls um, facing that and, and getting kid in the head again which is something I've never really thought about but yeah it's um, interesting that you bring that up now like I like sitting there and thinking that even even at, at your at our own training or even match day like if someone just chucks one in and you're not in the right position and you do get hit like what 
what could happen? Does it yeah. continue and does it get worse? Like, yeah, there is a lot to think about and probably why it is taken a lot more, a lot more serious nowadays than, than it really ever has before. Yeah. So these are, these are sorts of the sorts of things, I guess, that were going through my head. And I imagine that people would like, because people get concussed a fair bit, not, not one person getting concussed eight times, but like even general, if you're playing sport, there are people that are going to get concussed. And I'm, I don't think I'd be alone in that feeling of um, apprehension and, and nerves. And, Certainly and not. Yeah, no. Um, but, but yeah, you know, it was obviously no, nothing happened in the follow-up. I was, you know, pretty well looked after. I, I didn't make that sort of clear. Like this is probably the first time talking about that sort of feeling. Um, but because you don't want to, as you said before at the start, you don't want to burden people with, with that emotion or, or that feeling or that inner turmoil within the realm of, of just that playing cricket. Like it's mm. not something I'm taking into every everyday life because you know I'll be pretty unlucky if I get concussed walking into a door or something you know at home. Yeah, you know, we're, we're working from home, so um, from that regard. But yeah, turning up to cricket, it was certainly something I was aware of and I was thinking about constantly, but not to not to put that on my teammates and that sort of thing because the, the the mood was pretty good. It, it, yeah, you're not wrong. No, it was it was it was fairly good right throughout the year, but. No, certainly. Like you're certainly right for for thinking all those things. Like it, it it can affect you in different ways, and and that's it. And and also, like I think with with not only concussion but injuries, rehab is is pretty important. Uh, I I try and ask this, not ask it, but I try and get this across to every guest I have. Are you? How do you feel in general that you are with rehabilitation? How how do you go? It could be it could be coming off this like concussion, could be your soft tissue injuries or your shoulders or or whatever. Um, how do you see yourself as a rehabilitator? Are you do you go gung ho? Are you a bit in the middle, or do you go nah? I can I can do this. I'm, I can get out of it. I'll be fine. Where, where do you sit on the uh, the scale? Well, by the the smile and the in the. <laughs> Of, the, of this video i think you know how i how i am um, in rehab i'm not the best at with rehab i try like i try to i try to manage myself pretty well um that's what i was gonna say i think you the looking after yourself you do really well maybe just not the the actual if you were to need to do exercises and stuff that yeah. might be a little bit on the on the other side but you do look after yourself i do know that yeah is, yeah, like it's probably detrimental to an extent. The the neck thing is an interesting one because w- when you hurt your neck, full stop, it won't take much to to hurt again. So that's the one try and look after the most. Um, but you can hurt that sleeping and that sort of like people hurt themselves with posture or sleeping. And I guess once you've had a neck injury, um, or you know, like I've had the the bulging disc or, or whatever it is. You know, just the, those small things in everyday life, those are things that can sort of knock you around and, and knock you back and you're at a high risk of hurting yourself doing mundane things. So those are things that really, you can't really avoid because you don't know how you sleep at night. You don't know what you, you know, sometimes you just lose track of how you're sitting in a chair, in an office chair or, or, or whatever. Um, so the neck, but I've changed, as I said before, I've changed how I bowl um, for cricket. Uh, 
I've, yeah, I've changed, sort of re-imaged my, the way I release the ball, the way I, I run up, the just trying to keep it efficient, but in a way that's not going to hurt me. Um, with the shoulder, the shoulder's a bit different. The, the shoulder's the one, the rehab, that if I was probably a professional sportsman, that's where you spend hours and hours in the gym, as I know you are and you know, other friends that have gone through serious injuries with their knees and stuff. Like you have, you have to because you have to put in those hours just to get back to the to a normal point. You know, that's it. Yeah. And the shoulder, the shoulder was the shoulder was bad. Like as a bad injury, it didn't need a reconstruction. But you know, the 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 nature of it was relatively graphic if you look at the X-rays and stuff. And I, I tried to strengthen it as best as I could, but it, it, I got to a point where it, it wasn't really working. And the physio was like, we're just going to have to try and manage it as best we can. And even and probably now at this stage, and it's probably been three years or something, or maybe four years. Mm, my, yeah. my, throwing hasn't, my throwing hasn't been the same since I hurt my shoulder. I, haven't, I can't get the distance uh, in my throws because of the angles um, and the discomfort, I guess, that's caused by it. Um, I can I sort of improved with the shorter range and a, able to to do that, but also sometimes it feels like I suppose when when people have got a gun and they've only got so many bullets in the in the chamber, I've only got probably ten throws in me, and then and then my shoulder probably gives up a little bit. I can't really get much behind it, otherwise it's going to cause a fair bit of pain. So um, as you said, I'm more of a manager. I try and manage myself well before games. I try mm. and stretch out properly and and do the do the right thing so i can prepare so i know i can get through the next six hours of a game as opposed to going yeah the it just you you hit of a bit of a block sometimes and and that's just something that i guess is the way i i manage myself yeah certainly i mean and it comes it comes with all injuries as you like i couldn't have said it better myself like yeah every injury it has there's rehabilitation to do but in some sometimes you do have to just you do have to just manage yourself and, and look after yourself and I know you do that do that really really well and I know a lot of people would have would have gathered a lot from a lot of insight from from listening um, not only about your concussion but your injuries as well and how you take care of them uh, with the rehab and with with managing yourself because I think managing is is very important so I'm sure a lot of people have definitely uh, gotten something out of uh, listening, listening to you there, but we will, we will move on. We'll, we'll start talking about. Uh, uh, we'll get into it in a, after this break. We'll talk about your beloved uh, Richmond Tigers, and uh, I know the NFL started, so we'll start talking a bit of the NFL. And I know you're sort of starting to get into uh, the F1 scene, so we might have a little bit of a chat about that too. So we'll see you right after this. And we're back with the second segment of the Under Pressure podcast. Joining me today, one of my good mates, Dem Panopoulos. Uh, you can find uh, Dem Panopoulos. He does a lot of stuff on uh, Twitter as well. Uh, he likes to share his thoughts on there. So it's just his name uh, on Twitter. And he also writes for both the raw.com.au and Stats Insider too. Can you tell us a little bit about that, Dem, before we get underway for the next little bit? Yeah, no, um, get to be regular contributor for, for both websites. Pretty lucky to, to be um seen as that as worthy of that uh this year but get to write 
Um, the raw is more opinion pieces, getting it, getting that sort of out there, uh, getting to the nitty gritty and stats inside of both. Uh, really, really good opportunities with both. I love running for them both. A uh, good relationship with with stats insider and 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 James there and and the raw. So it, it's good to be able to sort of express yourself. I was going to do it anyway, but um, it's nice to I guess have that avenue to to share what I think you know what I think about and 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 have my my opinions right or wrong I was gonna say I'm sure you've been I'm sure you've been told many a time how wrong you've been but I'm sure you can say to other people how right you've been in other aspects as well so it goes both ways but you got to chuck them out you got to chuck your opinions out there and that's that's awesome man I love love seeing the uh, new articles pop up on the Twitter so keep going with those for sure but we will get we'll get stuck into uh, your boys, Richmond. I wouldn't say. I mean, how would you describe their, their season this year? It was it was a little bit of a strange one for me. Oh yeah, I mean, disappointing for for Richmond. Um, you look at it and go, obviously, reigning premiers and and being the best team of the last four years. The the one year they didn't win the flag, they were probably the best team in twenty eighteen. That was the best season of. Um, yeah, that was their best year. Yeah, yeah, mm. didn't win the flag then. But I suppose with with anything, with any any good team, plays a bit of a bit of a mental mental block. And can you get yourself going? They didn't really adjust the game plan all that much. Um, you know, Hardwick, but he's prided himself on staying one one step ahead of the game. Whereas I don't think they really were one step ahead of the game this year. They faced injuries. A few teams faced injuries as well, but Richmond had some key injuries to, to certain personnel and and that did hurt. Um, but like, I don't think it's all doom and gloom. A lot of people probably writing Richmond off completely. Uh, a lot of people, supporters probably saying that they can win the flag next year, just jump back up. I think it's somewhere in the middle, probably. I think mm. it's still probably make finals, I think, and could push top four. Richmond's got... You know, they got their own pick, pick seven, and then Geelong's first pick, which is pick 15, and they can move some chess pieces around to potentially get a third one if they want to do a deal with the Bulldogs. So I don't think it's all doom and gloom. But, yeah, I mean, nine and a half wins, I'm pretty sure it was for the year. It was yeah. pretty, pretty disappointing overall, but you get some development into young guys. You get some of them getting getting some game time. I like the look of, you know, Thompson Dow, Collier Dawkins, those sorts of players, Noah Bolter, then he went down with injury. He was one of those key injuries. But, you know, mm-hmm. there are certain players that are getting opportunities that wouldn't have otherwise, and, and hopefully it holds the club in good stead going forward. I think it will. And it, it, sometimes it is good to have, I mean, obviously not from a supporter of a, a base, but it sometimes it is good to have those seasons. Like you can get you can get games into these young guys, like you said, and, and they don't, that's only going to build the squad even more. And unfortunately it was due to, some real like key personnel at some key points going down with injury, which I think sort of, which made the derail a little bit more um, just because it was some key, key, key players. And then the the people that were stepping up were then getting injured themselves. And then you, you were going to the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. So, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I don't see them rocketing back to the, to the top, but I don't see them where they were this year uh, at all. I, I I see the sort of see him around that middle mark, and I think with, with a few guys back, and I'm sure Dusty will be back to his brilliant best as well. And look, yeah, I don't think there's anything to to worry uh, with the boys. I think 
you guys will be you guys will be more than fine. And I, I can tell you, a lot of people, a lot of teams don't want to play at, at all next year or during finals as well. And they were saying that this year too. Like, <laughs> if you yeah. snuck in, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was always hard for people to rule out Richmond, I suppose. And you know, people suggesting going through a rebuild. But I don't think. I think when you've got uh, a squad that's got the amount of young talent, I mean, people want to say that the the older guys are, are there, but then you've got you know Noah Bolt is highly rated. You've got Shea Bolton. You've got these sorts of players. You know, Dusty's just turned thirty. You've got Nankervis. You've got or you know all these Jaden Short. These players that have a lot more potential, a lot more to unlock potentially. So. Um, I don't see a complete drop-off. And, and if it's a rebuild that people are suggesting, well, the rebuild might have bottomed out at, what is it, 12th position or something already. Mm, I think it was, yeah. Given, given the, the picks that can come in. So, um, yeah. I, yeah, R- Richmond's an interesting one. I mean, I, I try and look at them, you know, from an unbiased point of view because I try and write about all the teams and that sort of thing. So I, I refer to, to them in, in that way. But... Yeah, I don't see a, a complete drop-off happening. There are there are other clubs in the competition that are going to drop right off in the next couple of years and and don't have the the young talent that's coming through that maybe Richmond does have. Yeah, funny, funny you should <laughs> funny you should mention that. <laughs> but we will move forward to that now with the the prelims happening last weekend and obviously having the, the two winners in the D's and the Dogs. Did did you see that coming? Was it close to your prediction at the start of the year, or was it a bit bit way off? Uh, yeah. I mean, I thought these were two contenders from the start of the year. I thought, you know, my, my preseason tip was Brisbane probably, and I, I probably got sucked in a bit. Um, I think their window's not open yet. I think their window's open next season. So I probably got sucked in a little bit. They, Brisbane were had 2019 was an aberration. They jumped up out of nowhere. Um, 2020, they would have gone back. They would have, you know, they would have gone back to probably being mid-tier team and then they had uh, the whole competition moved up to Queensland. So they were pretty lucky in that regard um, and that sort of got them through to late in finals. But, um, yeah, Demons, I thought Demons would be up there. Uh, Dogs, yeah, probably the same. I didn't see the preliminary final weekend probably going the the way it did. Uh, obviously, your Geelong... Uh, disappointed you and many other supporters. Um, it was disappointing to see that sort of performance come up, and I know illness has come up as a as an excuse or a reason behind behind what eventuated, I suppose. And yeah, if players are sick, that's disappointing. But it, the the quality of player, the quality of the experience, like that, those sorts of things, they know how to navigate through it. So I don't think that would. It wouldn't have played a part, I don't think. I think you're right. I just there would be other guys that can that they can lean on as well. It's not it obviously wasn't the all 22 players that that maybe no. got sick. If whatever the article, uh, whoever I don't know what the number was. Did did you see the number that it was, or was they, it? They suggested potentially up to eight players were sick. Okay, so you're not looking uh, at the, yeah. they yeah. didn't say which players and whatever. And yeah, within the 22, you can. Um, sort of cover it so like uh, I understand that that would have an impact but it wouldn't be an 80 point you know more than 80 point uh, margin that's that's just Melbourne with a better team and, and we're able to flex on on a Geelong team that just to be honest look cold and slow um, they really and then, 
Yeah. And then you've got the other one, Bulldogs Plow Lane, which I think is less surprising to know that Port Adelaide would lose by about 12 goals. I'd say that's less surprising than the Geelong performance, but it's more disappointing, if that makes sense. I think the Port Adelaide were the team that were favoured to win. They were, it was their home ground. This was, it was built up for this and they didn't fire a shot. So, you know, they've, they've always been a team. They've never been a bad team under Ken Hinckley, but they've also never really been a good team. Um, and that's that's an indictment on on him as a coach and and the playing group as a whole. So you know, full credit to the Bulldogs. That the Bulldogs don't like doing things the easy way. They, so, certain, they certainly don't. You're right. <laughs> so you've got. So when you look at it like that, I mean, that's. I think the grand finals are fifty fifty. Um, but yeah, you look at the Bulldogs. You go, well, they believe anything. Melbourne look like the best team all year, and and they made the grand final. So. It was interesting to see a combined 150-point margin between the preliminary finals. No one would have seen that coming. But, um, yeah, I mean, it sets up a nice grand final for us to watch, doesn't it? Oh, sure. Yeah, 100%. It's, um, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a, I feel like it's going to be fast. Uh, it's a big ground. I feel like there's going to be the ball movement's just going to go from one end to the other and keep bouncing back and forth. And, look, yeah, I think the dogs sort of, like, I think they just had a bit of they had a bit of a lull, and once it was when I feel like it was when Josh Bruce did his knee, uh, that sort of things sort of changed a little bit, and I think they were they lost their their identity for a few weeks, but like this was a team that was top two the entire year, like they they fell out at the last possible moment, almost the last possible kick of the season for them was yes. was them going out of the top four, but they were still a top quality team, like. It was just unlucky that they, they came to that that point in the season where it was their top four position on the line. But I feel like I know I certainly I probably ruled them out a little early. I think I did I did go early on them. I mean I thought they may may get through one. I knew they'd get through one, maybe two weeks of the finals. But I did yeah. think that I did think they weren't any chance this week with, yeah. with a fully fit. Port Adelaide and everyone on, on board and they've got had home finals and, and things like that. But yeah, credit to them. I think they, they, they've got a lot of people and they've got yeah. just, a, just as good a chance as Melbourne to, to win the game. I think it's going to be quite close. That two, three goal margin either way, I think, is uh, there'll be a goal that needs to be had and whoever kicks it will, uh, will be the winner, I reckon. It's going to be, going to be a tight one because I think they, they match up reasonably, reasonably well. Um, yeah. Do you sort of see it? Would do you see someone having an advantage in, in either end of the ground or in the middle? Is it? Oh, well, I think it depends. If if it has some sort of wet weather, which you know, I mean, West Australia's generally got decent weather, but I think a more wet weather game would probably it'll be interesting. I think it would favour the Bulldogs a little bit for a scrappier contest, and it would equalise the fact that their defence isn't. Over, like isn't as good as, as Melbourne's but then Melbourne's got the tackling pressure as well so I think Melbourne runs out games better than any other team in the competition which is sort of what I was expecting this year I think that's what they were setting up for from last year but the shortened quarters um, that that happening obviously hurt uh, because you didn't have to run out games for four quarters because everyone could do it because it was a shorter game so <laughs> yeah. I think I, I do think um, Melbourne has the advantage in terms of that 
running all over the ground and, and, and finishing off really strongly. So it's just going to be a matter, as you said, whichever team can make the most of those opportunities that happen in, in clutch moments. But yeah, right now I, I need it to be close to the game. It's, it's genuinely, genuinely 50, 50 in, in my books, because you've got the intangible of the Bulldogs that that spirit that they play with um, underdogs, they've traveled five States or whatever in, in, in the space of 25 days versus Melbourne who have played once in probably nearly a month of, of, of time so that's that's going to be interesting in itself but i probably do lean a little bit towards melbourne because i think they've been the best and most well-rounded team all season but you know we'll need to see the fitness of certain players as well to to see how they come up and and obviously the forecast so it's it's definitely one as a neutral i can't wait to watch yeah it really is it's it's going to be a top quality match and i think it is i think it is the two best sides of in it in my opinion yeah. I, I think they were one and two for most of the year, and other teams are sort of just just on the edge of that. But yeah, yeah I, w- I won't, I won't, uh, I won't ask you for a tip now because it's way, way too early, <laughs> way too early for anything. Now that we've got this uh, two week, two week period, just a quick, quick thought on that. Do you like the two weeks, or would you rather just the next week? Grand final. No, I, I like the two. I think the two weeks should stay permanently. Um, I think the pre grand final buy should stay permanently. Um, I know people, supporters are complaining about it because obviously they're going to be impatient and nervous for a longer period of time. And other people just, you know, don't believe in the bye weeks, whatever. But it goes back to our first discussion about the concussion and concussion protocol and it being taken seriously. I mean, the, the players have to sit out 11, 12 days, whatever it is. Um, you'd hate for someone that would be able to play in two weeks' time that just has to sit. That just has to sit out because of the, the the protocol, which is good to be brought in for the safety of the players. I would hate to see them miss out on the grand final because of that. So I think it's good. I think we want to see the teams at the at as strong a squads as as they can provide, which includes having minor injuries, getting over those. So that obviously, if someone hurts themselves longer term. They're, they're ruled out, so that's okay. But I do like the fact that there's a, a, a week off. I think the AFL can bring in all the awards nights to this week off as well, like mm. to the bye week and make the most of it and try and make it a spectacle. Like we're trying to Americanize everything else. So if we're going to look at the awards nights and all that, we might as well just make a big deal of all the Austra- the all Australian, make a big deal of the rising star and the coaches awards and all that. And, and the Brown Brownlow can be the one that topped it off. Yeah, no, certainly. I hadn't really had a major opinion on it myself there, but listening to you there and listening at like the little little things that we can do with it, and I think yeah, I think you're right. I think that the two week might be a way to go because it's it does it does build the anticipation. But obviously, it's mm. as you said with the the audience and the the fans. No one no one wants to wait, but like all in all, you will wait, and and you can get all those things done during the the build up, and and it leads you into the the AFL and you can build it up a lot more which is good and as you said it's a bit of a Americanizing everything and we will uh we will flow that in we'll use that little nice little transition that you you threw up there for me which is very nice of you and we'll, we'll sort of get into a bit of the NFL we, I know that uh, it started last weekend um a pretty interesting pretty interesting first week uh of of matches I, I will firstly ask you I know you the, you've jumped on the the Tennessee Titans uh, 
Yeah. Bandwagon is the wrong word. You, you've jumped on on them and you, you take, make make them your own. And yep. how did you see their first week? Uh, did you watch it closely and did you see some uh, concerns or anything like that in the in the game? Yeah, I'm not someone that can do the three a.m. wake up because <laughs> sleeping's all over the place. But um, yeah, I mean, I watched the the highlights and stuff, extended highlights and whatnot. No, it was pretty rubbish. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't good. And one of my, one of my mates messaged me, a big big fan of the opposition, big Kyler Murray, um, <laughs> loves loves him, and yeah, it, it wasn't good for the Titans. But I mean. Uh, in any season, in any sport, round one doesn't really define your season necessarily. It's if you get to zero and four, especially in the in the NFL season, that's probably when you've got a little bit more concern for, for your team. But, um, yeah, you know, continuing to build knowledge and, and learning about the, the sport and whatnot. But obviously we've got um, fantasy sports as as a lot of other people get get really involved in. And I think it's a good way to, to continue to learn. If you don't know much about the sport, you can continue to learn with it. And if you do love the sport, which, you know, we love the sport and whatnot, you you, you keep building your knowledge, but also it, it keeps your interest. It piques your interest in other things as well. So, um, yeah, round one of the NFL season was, was good. Obviously, we get some decent access still in Australia where we can watch some games on, on KO and whatnot. And, and there were some pretty good games to, to watch. So, yeah. Uh, Ultimately, it's it's just more sport for us to consume, and and what what it's shown that in lockdown we had that three month spell at the start of lockdown when there was no sport happening at all, pretty much no sport. Oh, yeah. and, and I don't know, there are there are people that obviously have other ways of filling time, and we found we were able to fill time and whatnot, and you know probably read a book for the first time in twelve years. But um, <laughs> I still haven't read a book. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> but it's. You know, you have to appreciate the fact that on a Monday or Tuesday morning or a Friday morning, there are now two days of the week where there's no American sport in the morning. So, you know, I think it can manage now. Oh, no doubt. That's it. And and you're right, though. Like, a sport can be an, an out for a lot of people and that can really, really help them through. And certainly these American sports with them being obviously different time zones and, and syncs up sometimes it syncs up nicely, maybe not the 3am yeah. uh, red zone type stuff, but yeah. yeah, you do get to watch a fair bit over there as well. Just before we move slightly to the, to the next uh, sport, do you have a, have a tip for the, uh, the, the winner of the, the NFL this year, Super Bowl? Who's, who's going to take it out? Oh, the Titans. No, no, probably not. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to look past the Chiefs. Um, but that's until another contender emerges. I mean, do you think the Saints can? They demolished Green Bay first up. Oh, Absolutely that killed was one them. One of the most surprising. So, yeah, that was most surprising of the weekend. I think that was yeah. that was massive. That yeah. Was, uh, so, and it was probably unexpected that that Winston would do so well. I suppose so. Maybe the Saints can can rise up, but until another team really like takes takes it by storm, it's hard to go against the Chiefs, I think, even over Tampa Bay. I think the the Chiefs and, and Mahomes and, and Hill are probably a little bit strong at this point in time. But as I said, it's early on. I was gonna say it is hard to probably give it a little bit of a prediction until you sort of get halfway through the year and you can you can branch out and you can see those teams that are that are on the edge of either making it or 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 can extend their season a bit further into the playoffs. So yeah. I'd probably if I was to make an early one, I'd say the Chiefs as well and just look. 
looked the same and looked strong and yeah. that's exactly right. But another guy who, who's pretty strong and now is a member of uh, your boys, the OKC Thunder, an Australian lad by the name of Josh Giddy has joined the o- Oklahoma City Thunder. What do you think? Did you expect him to come to, to the Thunder or were you expecting someone else maybe in the draft this year? No, well, probably expecting uh, someone else. I thought Giddy was going to be in the sort of 10 to 15 range, not pick six, which is obviously where the six comes into it. Um, <laughs> I think it's interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, it's good. We, we watch the NBL. <laughs> we, we love the <laughs> yeah. NBL. So um, seeing Giddy get picked and picked by OKC, I was pretty happy. Um, yeah, you know, diehard OKC since... Uh, you were able to you you gave them to me probably nine years ago now, which is very nice of you. It's been it's been a huge passion since then. But um, yeah, I mean o- Oklahoma City. Whenever you look at teams, and if they're not contending, they might as well have all the young talent. And it's it's really exciting. There are if you go on forums or you listen to podcasts and stuff, there are certain parts of a fan base uh, are pessimistic and saying they're not going to watch any games because there are no wins to be had. Whereas I'm sort of on the opposite end where I'm going to watch as many games as I possibly can because I want to see how these young guys develop and, and what they look like and, and that sort of thing. That's the, that's the nature of the NBA. If, you, if you're not going to win it, you might as well load up on draft picks as, as the Thunder has and uh, build up that young talent. That's it. And, and, and I think it's, as you said, I think it's just as good watching watching your team what develop these guys and turn into absolute stars of the NBA. I know uh, a guy close to my heart, Shea Gilgis Alexander, has, has gone over to the OKC Thunder and he's absolutely killing it. Like he's going to be an absolute star in the next few years, and I'm mm-hmm. hoping he does stay with you guys and sort of be that be the number one guy, and and you can get a few more guys in there and. And you can become become that contender, but it's it just shows that from the beginning to hopefully what what becomes a, an NBA star. So, and the same with 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 Giddy as well. They're going to be a pretty dynamic backcourt, and I think they they're going to be great to watch. So I don't I don't see how how people can sort of I only want only want titles, but I know there's people out there that go yeah I'd rather be watching playoff games and. But I know there's some people out there that just watch it for the for the love of the the team and, and the sport and and things like that. So no, that's and that's good. And then I think uh, it's going to be a good season. I think this upcoming one there's a lot of a lot of movement. I think still yet a lot of movement to come. One little thing I wanted to touch touch on: Ben Simmons. Do you see him moving before the season starts, or is he going to start? the year at Philly. I know I have heard that he doesn't actually want to play in Philly. So I don't know how that's going to work, but do you see yeah. him going somewhere before the start? He's, he's quickly become one of the most hated men. I know. Basketball and, and for Australia <laughs> as well, um, because he didn't want to play in the Olympics. So I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think he'll, he'll play for Philly. It, it doesn't appear that he, he can. He doesn't. Or everything that's coming out from him and his agent suggests that he doesn't want to. So where's he going to go? I suppose there's a couple of different teams that that would want him. Minnesota. There's more. There's talk about Golden State. Um, it'd be interesting if Portland. Depends what Lillard wants to do. I mean, he wants to stick around, presumably, uh, at least see how they start off the season. But is there a point in time where 
they just cut their losses. If Lillard says, I want to leave, then do you try and get Simmons in? Um, you know, you, you got Washington potentially. I mean, Beal says he wants to say now, but it's going to be interesting. You're right. NBA is just such a volatile marketplace. Um, oh, oh that's so it. Much, yeah. So much happens. So many people get bought out of contracts. So many trades happen where it's just a, a way to move money around, really. So it's going to be interesting. But obviously, as you know, in Australia, Ben Simmons is of great interest. And at the moment, he's a bad boy of Australian sport. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if his image can be recovered. But we, we can't forget that, you know, he's pushing the, you know, defensive player of the year. It's not like he's a he's a bad player just because his offense hasn't hasn't really picked up. So it's going to be interesting to see where he where he lands up because I I don't see him staying at Philly for much longer. No, I think I mean I think I'm in your bandwagon as well. I think he's yeah I think he's all but gone. But yeah, it will be interesting to see where he goes and hopefully yeah. he can get get back in the uh, or maybe start to get back in the uh, the the boomers colors uh, in, <laughs> in due time. But who knows. One, yeah, exactly. One, one can hope that that's it. Now, I know we'll touch on this just a little bit, but I know you've sort of just recently uh, got into a little bit of Formula One and something that you probably haven't watched too much of. Um, what have you? First of all, what have you actually thought of Formula One, considering it's not maybe a sport that you saw yourself watching a, a few years ago? Yeah, well, I mean, like a lot of people, it would have come from Drive to Survive on on Netflix and the, I guess the suggestion um, near badgering of, of a couple of mates that <laughs> are very much into it. But uh, yeah, watching Drive to Survive, that was, that sort of got me hooked. And yeah, just, just watching it all the time now. And it's one of those things like car racing and that, that sort of stuff never really appealed to me because naively in my mind i just thought you know what what's the what's the strategy what's the tactics when it comes to sport i like thinking about those sorts of things i'm you know over just supporting a team without you know thought of anything else i prefer to look at things from the more holistic standpoint i i I guess um so i just assumed you know they're driving round and round what they change their wheels all that sort of thing um <laughs> so simple like, sure, so simple <laughs> yeah, just like once upon a time i'm sure i thought basketball was how hard can it be you're just throwing a ball into a hoop um mm. but yeah no f1's it's 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 really intriguing to watch it's it's one of those sports that well, now that i know what's happening like and that's just from asking questions, watching these things, reading articles and that sort of thing, picked it up pretty quickly. But so many characters in, in the sport, you, you get the ones you love, you get the ones you hate. Um, and I think, I feel like it's more acceptable to have more people that you don't like when it's an international sport, when there's, you know, like publicly just say, I don't like this guy, I don't like this guy. It's different when it's like the AFL and that sort of thing. Like you, you might not like certain players, but, everything's so localized whereas f1 they're they're almost some of them are larger than life characters so from that regard you just you just criticize them as you see fit but um <laughs> i know but, it's a bit like that for sure but obviously the at monza seeing ricardo ricardo hit the front straight away and then never never lose it even with the uh the crash between hamilton and verstappen i mean they had they were chasing Verstappen was chasing Ricardo the whole time, so it wasn't like Ricardo wasn't 
in the box seat to win. So it's those sorts of things. Like that gave me goosebumps. And we're talking at like 12.30 in the morning, um, Australian <laughs> exactly. time, but we're watching it. And that gave me goosebumps going, geez, this is, this is special. So, uh, yeah, F1's quickly risen up the ranks in terms of sports that, that I certainly enjoy watching and, and consider myself a, a pretty, pretty strong fan of. Yeah, like two years ago, you like on Twitter, you may have just just scrolled past that mm. that, that crash or something like that. But now it's yeah. like if you invest invest your time into it and ask questions, like you said, it's like and want to learn about it. I feel like then you enjoy enjoy it more if you learn you're learning and, and your friends are helping you. It's like I think that's the best way to to get into a new sport, like you said, and and learning about it is is I think is one of the best parts about it. And I've yeah. had a lot of fun learning about f1 as well i'm probably in the same in the same boat as you with sort of jumping on the last little bit um and yeah it's been so much fun so much fun watching it albeit the the late hours but (laughs) that's probably the the worst part about worst part about it all but yeah no i think i think it's great and yeah it's it's something that i wouldn't have seen myself watching five years ago and that's the great thing about sport it's uh, it, it gets yeah it, it opens up a whole whole can of worms and i think yeah, it's great and, and something people should should jump on not just with uh formula one itself but but any sport that you may not you might have a little keen interest in but you haven't fully dived in ask people that that you know and and I'm, you'll 100 percent know someone who knows more more about that sport than you and yeah, they'll be exactly. able to give you give you insight and and that and that way you'll be able to enjoy it a bit more too i find so yeah it, it's yeah sport can bring a whole lot of happiness to a whole lot of people and yeah i think that's the best best way of doing it but we will we will finish up finish up there but uh, we're gonna have have a bit of a have a bit of go at the draft uh right after this in, in segment three it's a, it's a bit of a fun one today so We'll be back with the draft right after this. And we're back with the final segment of the Under Pressure podcast, where, as always, we do the draft. Now, on this week's draft, I had to think of a bit of a theme uh, that might interest uh, both of us. And as Dem is a... uh, a fantastic spin bowler for a, for our local club. I couldn't go past putting a bit of a, a spinning theme on on the today's topic. So we're going to go the draft of Australian spinners, so cricket spinners, Australian cricket spinners, and we're going to see who we can uh, pick up uh, in this particular draft. I know there's a few names uh, floating around here, so we'll see if uh, we double up on any here and might have to. Mix some things up. Now, in front of me, I, I do have a bit of a coin app, and I on on one side I have one side I have them, and on one side I have myself. So I'm going to flick that, and whoever that lands on will get pick one. All right. Here we go. Well, I don't really want to say what happened on uh, that particular coin toss, but unfortunately, it did have uh, yourself, Dem, uh, having. Pick one for the Australian spinners draft. So I know this is a, a massive choice for you. So it's international. They have to have played internationally for Australia. Is that right? Yeah, that's that is correct. That is correct. So pick one. Who? Where are we going with them? So pick one. I'm going to go with Nathan uh, Shane Warne. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn! I thought I had you. 
that's my headline act, yeah. Can't go wrong with that. That was uh, one of the names I had written down. I'm pretty sure everyone would have had that name written down. Um, yeah, no, solid solid first pick. Yep, I don't see anyone else going any anyone different with an Australian spinner. All right. I got number two, number two and three. I should uh, I should emphasize that it is a snake draft, Dems. I don't know if I told you that beforehand, but it is a it is a snake draft. So we'll go all the way down till we get to the tenth pick. So I've got two and three now. So we've got. I'm going to go. I mean, I'm going to go with the guy that you're about to say. <laughs> I'm going to go with Nathan Lyon. I know you're not a huge fan. <laughs> Had some troubles in the past, but, I, but we won't get into that now. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's he's a fantastic bowler. He's doing he's doing great things now. Maybe not so at the beginning of his career, as we have talked about and alluded to uh, uh, off camera and off podcast. Uh, but I think he he. I mean, he's taken four hundred plus wickets, so it's fair to say he's. And I do like watching him now. Maybe not so much early on, but he. I think he's. I think he's worthy of of pick pick two. Uh, in the in the in the spinners draft, I don't know if you had him as high as. Uh, I, I was thinking I should... Nathan. My my, when I said Nathan, I was thinking Horrocks. Didn't even occur to me. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. It's interesting. Interesting choice there. But we'll move on. Move on to pick three. Now, I'm gonna, I'm going to go old school. I'm going right. to go really old school. You may not have had him on 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 your list, but you may have. I'm not sure. But I'm going to go. With the great man, Richie Benno, as Richie, Richie Benno as the number three as the number three pick. Uh, I, I mean, everyone knows him for for his commentary and and all that. And but he was he was a fantastic bowler, and I don't think everyone always talks about what he's done, uh, like on TV and things like that. But I don't think a lot of people would have seen Richie play. Like he took two hundred and forty eight wickets test wickets and that like that's nothing to sneeze at as well so he's he's certainly a, a great player in his own right and yeah wonderful career now pick four dem who are we going with yes I, I do like the the benno pick because you know i mean he wouldn't have come to mind immediately and that sort of thing you're thinking of i guess the greatest the greatest ever and we might have had the the point of view of, I suppose, more recent. So, I don't know. You could go Clary Grimmett because he probably was the second best ever spinner for Australia, but that was a little bit before my time. Um, so, within the last little bit, I guess it's based on who we like to watch, and maybe for Australia, it wasn't maybe it wasn't for Australia that he was at his very best, um, but. I think in the Big Bash League, we saw a lot from him um, as he got older and one of the great characters, I suppose, of, of, a, of Australian cricket and domestic cricket would be George Bradley Hogg. So, oh, I didn't four. think... <laughs> so that, it's an early pick for, for, for Hoggy, but in terms of the entertainment value and what was he the very best? Probably not, but... He was an all-round package, that's for sure. Oh no, I couldn't agree more. I I did have him. I did have him on my list, so I, I'm I'm a little annoyed. I have to I have to reshuffle my my picks around here. But no, great pick, good pick, and I think a lot of people would have him have him on their list for the, 
maybe not the greatest ever, but certainly someone to who who's a great watch. Like every time he comes on the bowl, he's no matter what format, no matter where, like great bowler. Love his uh, yeah. enthusiasm. Enthusiasm for the game is probably the best best way to describe him. Definitely. Now, obviously, thanks to the snake, I've got pick five. That's um, it. That's it. And again, this is all personal who you like to watch, so not the greatest ever. I, I like your Lion and Benno um, picks in terms of – and obviously, I've got Warren Hogg. My third pick, pick five overall, will be probably, uh, well, sort of left field, but I was thinking about who I really like to watch. And again, I guess we don't get as much exposure – uh, to the international format, um, and a lot of it is to do with the the 2020 cricket, the WBBL. Uh, we don't get to see as much of the Australian women. Just just a byproduct, I guess, of the, the like burgeoning talent within the game. But um, fixturing and otherwise, sometimes it's just not as friendly. Which is hopefully it's on the improve overall. So it's it's getting more and more. But I'm going with. Uh, she's only 23, so plenty of time left. But one of my favourites, left arm off spinner, uh, Sophie Molyneux. Oh. One, one of my favourite, um, yep. you know, of the Australian women cricketers, uh, women's cricketers, just a huge fan of just what she brings to the game. She's a, a wicket taker and can keep it tight, can hit the ball a bit in, in WBBL cricket. But I just think that in terms of young talent, and someone that we've seen enough of. There are young, younger players that, you know, we've seen WBBL and stuff, 15, 16, 17-year-olds, but we want to see more of them play before, sort of labelling them as very favourite. But uh, Sophie Molyneux definitely has caught the eye, and I think that she's got what it takes to be a really, really strong, strong player for whichever franchise she plays for, but also for Australia. Oh, no doubt. And that's a, that's a really good pick, sort of like an... A... An up and coming, an up and coming pick. I think that's it's going to be a good one in a few years' time, and a good value. I think at pick five, I reckon. Now I'm gonna, I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna go all the way back. I'm gonna go sort of more recent times, uh, and maybe not so much uh, in the Test arena, um, but more in your in your white ball, uh, white ball formats, and your one days, and your and your T20s, and he's. Just someone I really like watching, like every time, like you can tell he gives it his all. It means means the world to him to be playing, and and I can say has had a has had a fairly has had a fair few uh, different hairdos over the time. Uh, you might be able to find a few of them uh, on Google. And the man Adam Zampa is is going to be my next pick. I just I just love the way he goes about it. I think he's a I think he's a great bowler. I've obviously had the privilege, maybe not in recent times, but to to watch him watch him live playing for the stars and uh, i think he's i think he's a fantastic bolt and i mean he's probably i don't know where where you sort of see him in in terms of getting a gig in test cricket but i i probably see him more as as your your white ball bowler but he does he does a great job and and more often than not is is one of the best bowlers on on ground and i mean that's what you need from your spinner especially in the, the shorter formats yeah, yeah, I think he's got um, he's improved a lot with his consistency and reliability, and I think um, he knows when to toss the ball up a little bit more. But he's got a good tra- trajectory on on his deliveries, just generally speaking, and and he's 
been the best exponent in Australian cricket um, in terms of spin bowlers of, of getting that little bit of either spin either way, just understanding where to put the ball to, to, to make it move and make it work. So, yeah, I, I don't mind that pick. I think Zampa is probably the best white ball spin bowl we've had for a while. Mm, yeah, no, and he's, and he's taken, obviously, line doesn't do that job in the, in the white ball format. It's all all Zampa usually and maybe a bit of bit of Ashton Agar in there too, but he's certainly taken the reins in, in that those those formats for sure. You're right. Now coming coming around that bend, I think it's I think we're up to pick seven now. I'm gonna go back to back to the era of your first pick, Dem, in Shane Warne. I'm gonna go back yeah. to that same era. And a guy who would have played many or more test matches if it wasn't for the great man. And that's one Stuart McGill, SCG McGill. He's he formed a, a really good career, I think, in terms of the, the amount of chances and opportunities he had through that time, where where Warney was obviously dominating the, the spin game, and and he really didn't get the chance to to do it. But when he did, he, he was a he was a great bowler to watch. I, I it was a, and it was a different action too. I, I found like the the one arm going out, and I think. He could. I reckon he could turn turn the ball as much as anyone could with with, with the way he uh, with the way he bowled. I think the, yeah. the leg break was one one of his best balls that he that he had and could turn it as much as as the next guy. So yeah, I think it took two hundred plus wickets in a yeah. in a shortened career in a smaller career than say say a Warren. But he he played four like forty odd Test matches and took two hundred wickets like. Like that's a fairly that's a fairly decent career, and I'd be happy to go with that at that sort of rate, uh, taking wickets. Um, but yeah, I couldn't couldn't leave the the great man the great man off the list. So certainly one I like to watch, and yeah, a highlight every every now and then too is always nice. So yeah, pick seven going big SCG McGill. Yeah, that was a good one. I think that was obvious. The the next one he's a good uh, bowler to try and imitate. When you're playing a cricket game, whatever, very round arm sort of perfect, yeah, and whatnot. <laughs> the thing is with with this spinner sort of Australian international spin draft is it, it becomes quite evident the the big drop off um, <laughs> in terms of actual <laughs> quality talent and the opportunities that are given to these players. Um, so it's now it's just you're not scraping, but we're just trying to find some players. I'll go with. Pick eight, someone that only played probably a couple of test matches, but is well known for an absolute bag um, in India. I was lucky enough for a university assignment to, to be able to interview him and have a chat with him. And he was a lovely, lovely guy, lovely to give up an hour of his time to, to help out with an article or whatnot. But uh, Jason Crazier is, is the that. next one. Just love that pick. Yeah. If, if McGill was the, could spin it the most out of any leg spinner, I'd argue Crazier was probably the same on the off-spin side. Mm. He could turn the ball an absolute mile um, and didn't get the didn't get many opportunities. I guess it was a period where they were just rotating through spin bowlers trying to oh, get something yeah. that they thought could be consistent. And it was easy to forget that Warren got hit for five, six and over in his first test. And... <laughs> And went on and, and forged a decent career for himself. But uh, yeah, Crazier could have got more of a chance. But uh, yes, Jason Crazier is my second last pick, pick eight. And pick nine is my last pick, of course. That's it. And this is where I'm really looking through the names 
I'm trying hard. <laughs> I'm trying hard. And there's part of me wants to pick Andrew Simons as an off spinner or, or David Hussey. Um, you know, we saw Cameron White, Steve Smith, but you said they had to be, would you pick him as a spinner? And yeah. and then Marnus. Marnus bowls some pretty decent leagues, but on the True, weekend, I didn't even yeah, I didn't even think there about were, there were some highlights of him bowling some pretty decent um medium pace in Queensland grade cricket recently. So probably can't go him. So in terms of who I like the most, um, I'll probably go with Steve O'Keefe. I was a, a fan of him on the way up uh, when he was younger and coming through and when he was more of an all-rounder. Um, it was tough because I also like Ashton Agar. I'm higher on him than most, but I think he's a batting all-rounder. And I still insist that he's a batting all-rounder over a bowling all-rounder, whereas O'Keefe has sort of forged a little career for himself, got a couple of tests, some white ball cricket, more known as being just an economical bowler in white ball cricket for New South Wales and Sydney Sixers. So he doesn't have the best bowling average, but um, he's probably one of the more reliable on-field uh, players. Off-field, there are some indiscretions that we won't go into, but yeah, uh, Sock is my my last pick for, for my spinners. I like it. I like it. And yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it's, uh, it's very interesting trying to, trying to find the, the last sort of couple that might not be uh, players that you sort of first instantly think about when you, when you think about spin bowling, yeah. but I'm certainly going to, I'm certainly going to go very left field with, with my last one. <laughs> Someone you probably, <laughs> hey, did you play for Australia? Uh, you could have, though. You could have. You could have. That's right. If given That's 40 right. tests, you could have, I reckon. If given a few tests, like <laughs> someone in particular. But I'm going to go with, uh, for the last pick of the draft, I'm going to go with, with a guy who I really enjoyed watching. I was always behind him. I think he played one or two tests for Australia. He didn't, but he bowled with his left arm and bowled some left arm orthodox. And that man is Xavier Doherty, the X-Man, the great X-Man. And Dem shaking his head at me like, this is a bad pick, but this is, this is a great pick. I mean, he's probably more, more familiar with his uh, sort of domestic, domestic days, but he did have, did have the time where he was playing for Australia in the, the one-day scene. I don't know if he played too many T20s. I'm not sure about that. Um, but yeah, he certainly played one or two tests, but I just, I just like the way he bowls and more, more his action. I really enjoyed as well. I think I just, yeah, yeah it gave me, it wasn't hilarious, but it was just awesome to watch. I think is, is the best way to put it. And I, yeah, I'm going to go a bit left field and go with the Xavier Doherty is my, my last and final pick of, of the spinners draft. I think look, in terms of the whole draft, I think we've done pretty well. We've, we've nailed the, uh, the goats as they call it and then a uh, few up-and-coming spinners in in Molyneux and, and, and Zampa as well and I think then we've had a couple of favorites towards the end which is uh which is always nice to include them when I mean, not not many people thinking about them yeah I surely see I, I see myself searching a bit of uh Xavier Doherty highlights every now and then can't go wrong <laughs> But yeah, but that is that is all we have time for on the Under Pressure podcast for this week. Remember that we are on all social media. We we have our Instagram and Twitter under pressure one underscore. 
and we're also on Facebook at Under Pressure. We recently just got onto YouTube as well. So go and subscribe over there onto the YouTube channel where you'll get to see the whole episode as well as uh, our faces and, and when we're talking and what we're saying. So that's a, that's a bit of fun. You always, it's always a good look when, um, when you see me and Dem on, on a call. So it's uh, good, good for all you guys to, <laughs> to catch in at what we're doing. We're also, you can also listen to us uh, on the Podbean app on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. If you search Under Pressure, give us a subscribe as well. And we'd love to like and share and subscribe. And, and on, it always helps us out uh, on, on the show. So if you can do that and share it around to your friends and family, that's, that's always wonderful. And again, prom- promise this is the last time I do this for a while, but if, if there's anyone out there who'd love to sponsor the Under Pressure podcast, feel free to, to jump on the socials and, and get in contact uh, with myself. That'd be absolutely fantastic. Dem, thank you again for coming on the show today. It's been an absolute pre- pleasure. We've talked about so many different things and it was great to, great to have you on. Definitely. Thanks for having me and good to, good to have a chat. Hopefully lockdown's treating you well. Thanks, mate. You too. Thanks, thanks to everyone for listening and we'll see you on the next. Thank you.